Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show season two, episode 43. My name is Dan Frost and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Now tonight we've got a few troops down at the moment. There's a bit of illness, there's a bit of uh, flu-like symptoms. So uh, everyone out there, hope you're all uh, hope you're all sort of battling through through winter. But it is a very exciting time of year uh, this week. We're very excited here at Mojo Sports, um, as well as in our local communities, to be celebrating NADOC week. Um, so with that in mind, I just want to do a quick acknowledgement of country. Um, just want to acknowledge the traditional owners on the lands on which we're meeting here today, tonight. Um, myself, I'm uh, coming to you from the Newcastle Hunter Valley area on the lands of a few different nations, Awabikul, Waramai, as well as Wanarua. Um, just really want to pay my, my respects to elders past and present. Um, this year, uh, the theme of NADOC Week is Get Up, Stand Up, Show Up. So really recommend everyone get out and support um, some amazing uh, activities and events that will be happening throughout the week. Keep the conversation going. And as always, really do, um, yeah, we, we, we love NADOC Week each and every week. And, uh, yeah, very much enjoying celebrating that here at Mojo Sports. Uh, with that in mind, let's keep that conversation going and roll into our warm-up for tonight. And the one. And a two, and a one, two, three. Well, Bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Have a great broadcast. You too, darling. Now, cause speaking of NADOC week, let's keep that theme going. And we are absolutely spoilt uh, when it comes to this sport that we love, when it comes to rugby league. Because when you talk about Indigenous talent uh, and that culture and that history when it comes to our game, it is pretty special. And that's the question I've got for you in tonight's warm-up. Um, who is your favourite Indigenous rugby league player of all time? That's a really tough question. I also want to also acknowledge coming from Nijin, Brisbane, the home of the Yagara and Turrbal peoples. But, yes, when I saw this question come up, I'm like, how do you decide? Because there are so many fantastic past and present Indigenous players. But keeping with my favourite teams, I thought I'd pick one from the Dragons and one from Queensland Maroons. So I've gone Nathan Blacklock from the Dragons because he's just was a very exciting player to watch. And um, for the Maroons, Greg Inglis, it just, um, there was so many to choose from, but I just really loved watching Greggy play. And I don't know, I might change my mind tomorrow, but for today, these are my two selections. <laughs> Mate, they're, they're, uh, they're two that's hardy, uh, pretty hard to beat, to be honest. Um, yeah, Blacklock, he was just an absolute excitement machine, uh, brought a lot of fans through the door. And GI, I mean, what can you say about GI? He's created this whole different um athlete this different style this different way of playing and you know you know Mal Meninga he, he was sort of there in the early days as well but GI what, what a special player look for me very very difficult I, I want to throw out a little bit of love to um one of my uh, favorite Newcastle Knights uh, indigenous players in, in Owen Craig Owen Craigie Owe he was um you know uh an unbelievable talent a talent like we haven't seen when it comes to the Newcastle Knights system he came to Newcastle um as a very raw young player um he had you know blitzed it on the athletics 
uh, scene. You know, he didn't have a lot of, um, you know, equipment, didn't have a lot of coaching, didn't have a lot of training. This was all just pure natural talent. So, you know, Owen Craigie, um, you know, it, you know, the Johns brothers often talk about his natural talent and, uh, yeah, he was, he was very, very special. Um, but in addition to that, I, I've got to throw out, um, a lot of love for Latrell Mitchell. I'm going to talk a little bit about him, um, in the next episode as well, but you know, what Latrell's done, um, on the field, uh, away from, away from rugby league as well, uh, very, very special player. And we are just so lucky to have so many unbelievable, um, you know, the, the, the talent, um, you know, amongst our Indigenous players is unbelievable. Um, and, you know, it's great to celebrate them this week in NADOC week. All right, team. Well, let's uh, roll forward now. And, uh, well, we're going to – this is, a, you know, another very, very special segment that we um, love to dive in on, and it's the playbook. Some people are just great at all aspects of the game. When they step foot on the field, it's their show. Double right, scat right, double cowboy. Went 94 feet, did a roll step, made a right-hand layup timeout. The most important thing is film study. We work a lot on short passing with our forwards. You talk about somebody to know the playbook, know where everybody's supposed to be, know the other team, coaches, style of coaching, how his ball club's going to play. All right, Coz, let's get our rugby league nerd on this week in the playbook and... Uh, uh, this week we're going to be talking all things lock forward, the lock position number thirteen, because um, it's a it's an interesting one because you know there has been quite a lot of changes to our game. Some say a little bit too many over the last couple of years. It just feels like every off season there's you know another uh, half a dozen rule changes. You know we went sort of a hundred years without changing our game. It just feels like every off season the game continues to to evolve and change, but. You know, one particular position that, you know, we have seen, um, you know, a, a fair bit of changes is that position. So I guess let, let, let's take it all the way back to some of your earliest memories of, you know, what did a lock forward look like to you when you first started watching rugby league? What, what is sort of your earliest memories of the position? Well, that's just it because I'm just thinking like how much it has changed and what, what you think of when you think of a lock. And like now I don't know if it's quite as specialised because – I was trying to think of, you know, who's a good lock now and they can also play second row and they can also play hooker. But I think I was looking back at, you know, early stages and Wally Lewis was a lock, but then most people know him as a, a half. So it, this is really difficult one to look back on because I, I don't remember, like I watched Wally. Do I remember him as a lock or as a, as a half? So it's all blending in my mind, but it just, it just shows just how much the position has changed. And I, I just think, like, you know, the definition of it was, you know, they lock the scrum, but the scrum isn't even a thing that is the same as what it, you know, when the game started anyway. So, like, that's probably one of the reasons why there's been so much change in um, versatility and differentiation in the position now. So I've, I've got a list of about 20 players, I'm like, but only a couple I can think of as locks. Most of them, you know, they can fit into a couple of different mm-hmm. positions. Bit of yeah. Bit of so, there. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, you know, for me, re- reflecting on some of the the earlier days, I would say that, you know, almost a prop forward, you know, Nelly, an absolute toiler, you know, maybe the, the player was a little bit, um, undersized, um, not not out of um, you know not, that's not sort of a deliberate tactic, but more you know you, you typically wanted to get a little bit more minutes out of your out of your lock. You know we, 
<laughs> excuse me, we came from a period of unlimited interchange, so you'd often sort of, you know, bring players in and out, but still, you know, when you compare the lock position compared to, you know, your traditional props, you know, you were getting more minutes out of out of these players, and, you know, there was just that little bit more focus on the defensive side, um, so, you know, some of the uh, some of the older players that I do remember from, you know, just following the Newcastle Knights is Mark Lanville, 188 appearances for the Newcastle Knights in the middle there, he was your traditional hard-nosed lock forward, um, and then moving through to a um, bit of a bit of a personal favourite of mine, Billy Peden, uh, 190 appearances for the mighty Newcastle Knights. Um, again, you know, these are the types of sort of old school um, lock forwards. Um, you know, because, and, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, we're, we're obviously going to get to, you know, the modern day times where we've shifted um, to that, that, that playmaking, ball, ball playing, you know, but what I'm trying to do is obviously reflect on where we started to get some, uh, you know, some of those players come through. And because and I guess for me, you know, some of my earlier memories of it happening is when your New South Wales State of Origin teams were a little bit too stacked, you know, when you had a, you know, a, a Laurie Daly, a Brad Fittler, and you're just like, look, we, we, we can't not pick this guy. We've got to find a spot for them. So, you know, I, I think in representative football, in particular State of Origin, you started to see a few sort of bigger bodied five eights who, you know, might play a little bit of centre or might play a little bit of lock. So because... You know, is that kind of where you started to see that shift as well? You know, where where a few coaches started to say, well, hey, if you're a bigger body, if you can handle the defensive side of the ball, you know, you can get a lot of value out of that 13 position. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the same with um, thinking about Wally because he was a big a big um, half. So it's just like you just said, it's to get the best players on the field and if they've got the different skills there, then, you know, they can go in the middle, they can do that defence and they can also play either side and have a bit of um, ball playing ability. So it's like get them in there and see how they go. So that's probably it because it, I can't I can't remember when it was watching when it was such a specialised role. It's more um, a lot of players can, can, well, can play there. It doesn't mean they can play there well, but they, they put, they're put in that position just to, to fill a, to fill a role, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, then, as, as we sort of you know move away through, and and obviously you know we, we don't have you know hours upon hours to break down every lock. So you know for all of our lock forward XNRL players that are listening to the podcast, as well as current, present, young, emerging, uh, if we miss anybody, uh, we do apologise. But you know a couple of players that then come to mind that sort of epitomise um, you know uh, you know their era was Paul Gallen and Jason Tamalolo. I, I felt like. Because it was, there was a period there where it was like super size me. You know, you remember that, you know, that McDonald's, uh, you know, that that documentary where, you know, from from an NRL context, it's like how big can we make our football team? You know, let's get Manu Vatavai on the wings. Let's get the biggest wingers we can possibly find. Let's get big, tall, athletic centers. Let's find, you know, let let's get that that um, you know that that third middle, that third prop again, athleticism, someone who can play more minutes. But talk to us a little bit about Jace, Jason, um, as well as Paul Gallen, because you know there was nothing too flash about the way in which they played football. You know that they were predominantly you know a third prop, a, a third prop, a third uh, forward. Yeah, I had those two on my list, and I'd written prop because they can play like that as well. Um, but it, Tamalolo, I. His emergence was just he, – he's still a great player, but I think because when he, when he was finding the form that he was in, he was just so devastating. But he was just go through the middle, a really big – like I said, big body, but he was he's pretty quick. 
and he's and hard to breathe down. 80, yeah. mi- 80 minutes, you know. Yeah. I, I really feel like, yeah. you know, during that era, that was the difference between you getting the 8 and, and, the, and the 10 jersey c- compared to the 13 jersey. It was can you play 80 minutes because, you know, you, you put your props, you put your forwards in that 8 and 10 role. You don't expect them to play 80 minutes, but, you know, your Tamalolos, your, your Paul Gallons, you know, those types of boys – you're not getting subbed off, you know, in limited interchange, you are playing 80 minutes and you're going to play at that intensity. And, you know, just to think what they were able to produce, it's, it's incredible. And I wonder how jealous they were when they looked across and they saw their mates in the eight and 10 Jersey, just, you know, sort of wander off the field after, you know, 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. A good 10 minute stint of charging hard with that, but they both even, I've got to give it to Gail. Yeah. Both of them were like props, but yeah, like I said, had fitness. So they could stay on for the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously we move through to, you know, obviously the more modern day players. Um, I feel like, you know, and it's, you know, it's hard to pick just one player, but I really do feel like Jay Trevojevic um, really needs to take a big hand in in the shift. Um, there were other players that played a very similar style, but I really felt like Jake, um, you know, look, he was just coming in and uh, he, he's just a big halfback in a bigger body. I, I just don't think anyone's told him that he's not a halfback, to be honest. And you know, cause it was an era where you had, you know, some younger halves in, in Kieran Foran and Daly Cherry Evans. And, you know, this is where I think a lot of modern day teams who have younger halves, they can take a little bit of lesson from Jake Trevojevic and a few of the other sort of ball playing locks where everyone just reflects on the way in which they play football. And it does, it just takes so much pressure off the halves. Because it gives the team options as well. If they've got someone that's creative in that forward role as well and, you know, they are also Jake's not a small body either. So when he's charging forward, he's hard to stop as well. So if you've got someone that can do that and and can do something with the ball, and you can't um, you can't predict exactly what they're going to do. That's something that you want on your team. So yeah, Jakey's pretty good. Again, I've got to give it to him. You know, he's New South Wales, and I, I don't know how he wasn't picked in the first game. But anyway, we'll just leave that yeah, there. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty incredible. And you know, obviously, he's going to be slowing down a little bit, and he'll start to sort of transition more into the forwards, and you know, giving him a little bit of rest as he gets older. But yeah, he, his um, playmaking ability was pretty special. Um, you know, some other younger players that um, you know you start to see because I don't know if you picked this up as well in your notes, but. You started to see the athlete get a little bit smaller. You know, you look at a Cam Murray, you look at a Victor Radley. Radley. Again, you know, these players are so dynamic. You know, again, 80 minutes without question. Uh, can they handle the defensive side in the middle? It's a big ask. You've got massive bodies running at you. They absolutely can. But again, they, they are expected, you know, pre-season training and in games, they're expected to be able to play like halves. Um, talk to us a little bit about Cam Murray and Victor Radley because, again, you talk about the evolution of the position, so silky but so incredibly tough, and they don't have the big frames of you, Paul Gallen and, and Jason Tamalolo. It's, um, it's pretty impressive what they're able to do. Well, yeah, I had those two as ones that were actually – they actually play a lot there, but it's it's funny because, like I said, they're not the biggest. I had they were fit and agile, um, and pretty tough as well. But I think yeah, it's a different style to what you know the, the Tamalolos and that play. But they're still really good defenders. They're not going to uh, give anything up there. It, it's probably it's just a, a bit of a size difference, well, and, and uh, just it's not maybe they're not as intimidating. Um, you know, if you look at the at the team sheet or whatever, but when they're on the field, they're not they're not shirking any work. They are hard workers as well. Well, because so, I, I I feel like it's about you know yeah, take pressure off your halves absolutely. But when those real changes came in with the six agains and NRL just got 
It's like watching it in double speed, six again, six again. The, the game's sped up. You just can't have those bigger bodies at that lock position. So I really felt like, you know, you can Murray. I mean, you know, what would he be worth on the open market? He is the perfect lock forward. You know, Victor Radley, you know, I'd probably say that a few years ago, but he spends a fair bit of time on the sideline with his suspensions. But, um, you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's pretty special. And you can see that North Queensland is slowly trying to evolve where Ruben Cotter, let's be honest, he plays lock. They, they just don't want to take that 13 jersey off Tamalolo, that's for sure. Uh, because I guess we couldn't talk locks, um, especially in the modern day, without talking about one particular player. The player that I'm thinking of comes from the Penrith Panthers um, uh, roster, um, and that is Isaiah Yo. Now, because I want you to be very honest because I'm going to be could you have predicted, you know, watching as I come through the system, you know, we both watched him play. Could you have predicted that, I mean, he would evolve into one of the best players that we've seen, one of the best players in the game at the moment? I mean, because I don't, I don't know if I missed something, but I just did not see that coming through. He has worked on his game. Anyway, talk to me a little bit about Yo because he is unbelievable. Well, that's it too. I think um, he's undeniably one of the best there, but what what – what does he do? Like, why is he so good? Like, I don't know. It's, it just seems like he can do a bit of everything, but he doesn't stand out, but he's just always there with, when the st- at the end of the game the stats are high. It's like, oh, he's just been everywhere, done this, done all the work, just not flashy. But I don't know. Like I said, he's worked on his game. He's just fit. He's there when he's needed, does all the hard work, and then, I don't know. It's you take someone someone like that out of your team, and you really notice their presence is not there. All the all the things that he does, but when it's just I don't know. That's what you want to be. I think on a team, just uh, reliable and just doing all the all of the the shit work, yeah, <laughs> and that the, seems to be what things. he's doing. Yeah, yeah no, all the little things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I feel like Isaiah, he. He really matured beyond a link player. So, yeah, obviously the generation of your Jake Travojevic's um, and those types of players where, you know, you started to play a little bit little bit of footy at the lock position, that was about linking your football team, you know, being able to link one side of the football field with the other, um, taking pressure off your halves, absolutely. So, yes, that, that is something that, you know, obviously, you know, many, many years ago now, um, that's kind of been mastered. I, I think where Yo is a little bit different is he is – he is a genuine attacking threat. And what I mean by that is if you don't respect him, so he'll run over the top of you because he is a big body. If you don't respect his passing game, he is going to embarrass you. I mean, he he's just, you know, this oversized half. And I, I feel like, you know, I mean, it, it's really exciting to think about how much more evolutions are we going to see of this position? You know, what are the athletes going to look like in five or 10 years' time? Because you look at a guy like Isaiah, and I really feel like he's he's almost mastered, you know, sort of the journey that we've been talking on. But, um, no, look, it, 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 is, it is really special um, and definitely brings something a little bit different. And, you know, because I, 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 you know, one of the things that, and we'll just finish off on this when it comes to lock, the, the lock roll, one of the things that perplexes me are teams that choose to go against these sort of trends and, and everything we've learned about, you know, the benefits of having these types of players. Let's just quickly talk about that because not to name names, but there's a few teams that still are not on board. You know, they're, they're, they're not about the, as I, I mean, it, I mean, you know, there's very few yo's obviously in the game, but yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Some teams, they're still resisting it. Well, I would say 
resisting it, but maybe in a positive way, like Storm, they seem to do their own thing with Brandon Smith and uh, being a lock, even though he plays like a hooker because he is a hooker, but he plays lock. So there are different ways to do things successfully. So to get him and Grant on the field, that's what they've done. They've put him into lock. So I don't, hooker traditionally wasn't one of those versatile positions that, you know, a lock would be normally be in the halves, but I, I think that's interesting. But that's a, like Bellamy always kind of goes against the grain. So maybe that's something that might happen. People might think that's successful or when he goes to the Roosters, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with everyone there as well. Um, but, yeah, I think if you if every team could have a, a yo, they would want one. So They would. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, it's, um, you know, you just like to think so. But I, I think we've learned our lessons. And, and a few of the teams that are still sort of, you know, trudging out the old the old sort of front rowers there at Lock, it's, uh, it feels like they've missed the boat a little bit. But, you know, and, and then where is this position going to, if I had to have a prediction? Because I, I think we're going to see bigger body 5'8 start to play Lock. You know, I, I, I look at... You know, I'm not. I'm not saying Cam Munster is a bigger body, but but I'm thinking that that's where we're headed. I, I think this position's going to get physically smaller, um, and I think the position's going to get more and more talented. Um, yes, they're still going to have to get there through the defensive work, but I can't see this game of rugby league slowing down anytime soon. I think the game's just getting quicker and quicker each and every year. Um, Eighty minutes, absolutely. So um, yeah, let's keep an eye on it and let's see if our predictions um, come true. But there we have it: the playbook lock position. Really love getting our nerd on and talking all things rugby league. Uh, we'd love to have. Uh, we'd love to hear your say on the position as well. Tell us who are your favourite lock forwards in the game right now. All right, team, let's jump into the match. Uh, very interesting one this week. The most anticipated match. In history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, guys. Uh, well, this one, it's Queensland theme, so I'm sure you're happy about this one. Um, Battle of Legends, Brisbane Broncos, and the two players that we're pairing is the great Shane Webke coming up against equally another all-time great in Gordon Tallis. Um, Cos, talk to us about these two players and you've got to do the, I mean, there's no sitting on the fence when it comes to Mojo, my friends. So you've got to pick a winner here. Good luck. Shane Webke v. Gordon Tallis. This one was interesting. It was like a, going back into the past. It was really the Super League era. So talking about um, Gordy Tallis, um, even though this was a Broncos thing because he did used to play he for did. My Dragons. Um, so interesting that he decided he wanted to sit out an entire season instead of play with us. But yeah, this was quite, I was trying to make some notes going, this is really a throwback to the to the, his, the history of the game and how different it was and Super League. But anyway, on that, I love them both. Um, they're quite different players. It's very hard to decide because Shane Webkey just the first kind of words I wrote down, reliable, hard worker, dependable, like him and Pet, at the, like mm. what a front front row rotation that you would have or a pairing that you could have together. But Gordy Tallis just had something about him, just, again, just aggressive, just a presence, raging bull, like a nickname like that just kind of shows the kind of style that he would play with. Um, so, and, and, you know, while he was aggressive, he was also quite skillful of a player as well. So um, I don't know. It's they are such different styles as well. So it's it's a very tough one to try and to pick out um, who's better. But I don't know. In terms of just excitement and watching, 
I'd pick Gordy, but for someone that you could just absolutely rely on to get the job done, it's Webkey and I'm sitting on the fence. So it's I gotcha. It is a difficult one. Look, yeah, Shane Webkey, 254 games for the Brisbane Broncos, uh, 21 caps for Queensland, uh, 26 for Australia. There was a couple of other sort of Super League uh, stats there as well, which bumped that up a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things about Webkey, and he doesn't get spoken about enough as one of the all-time greats, uh, very consistent, very physical. Um, and, you know, because what I, what I always think about when it comes to some of these forwards is what would what would a Shane Webkey be like in the modern-day game? Because let's be honest, you know, because of the speed, you know, for some of these older players, you know, may, maybe the game has sort of passed them by, but because Shane Webkey in the modern game would rip and tear, you know, with all of the... You know, you know, the Brisbane Broncos have always had the best facilities and everything like that. But, you know, it's just an example of Shane Webke. It doesn't matter whether he played 10 years ago, 20 years ago in the modern game or 20 years from now. Shane Webke um, was an all-time great, uh, would be an all-time great in the current game. And that's just because, you know, when did you ever see Webke have a poor game? You know, maybe a 7 out of 10. He probably, you know, uh, uh, Wayne Bennett could probably, you know, tell us a few stories where he dropped a couple of uh, balls and uh, and got a couple of sprays, but uh, and an incredible leader uh, and a big presence. And, you know, to be honest, that's when Brisbane had that real, uh, you know, people were very weary of the Broncos. They had that massive reputation. It's off the back of players like Webkey, that's for sure. Gordon Tallis, Six foot two, you know, obviously got a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more height on Webkey. Um, you know, it, it's unbelievable when you look at their stats as well. I mean, they're, they're very close in weight as well. But, yeah, 214 games, um, you know, 54 for the Dragons, 160 for the Broncos for Tallis. Um, you know, 20 caps for Queensland, 18 for Australia. You know, what can you say about, about Gordon Tallis other than, yeah, aggression? You know, obviously he's got the nickname the Raging Bull for a reason and... You know, there was just that intimidation factor as well. You spoke a little bit about that with Webkey and the culture that the Broncos, you know, Talis would just not take shit from anyone. You know, there was not a there was not a player on a rugby league field that he feared. Um, you know, away from the away from the game as well. I, I don't know. This guy just went out there and just absolutely gave it his all and. You know, I'm. <laughs> there are a few clubs um, in the sport at the moment that are struggling. Um, there's a few forwards that you know could probably benefit from going back and watching a little bit of Gordon Tallis tape because, you know, just the way in which he went about his football, uh, the way in which he inspired his teammates, and um, you know, did he go over the edge a few times? Absolutely, but that's why we love Gordy. Ah, cause we both can't sit on the fence. That's um, that's not good. Uh, you know, sports analysis. So. Um, yeah, you, you sort of you sort of lent Gordy. Look, I'm going to have to do the same. I love him, and and I think you touched on it a few episodes ago where he ragged Dolls Brett Hodgson over the sideline. I just cannot get that out of my mind. Um, an absolute gladiator of the sport. So yeah, Gordy Tallis to, to, for me, but um, yeah, two of the all time greats there. All right, Cos, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Hey, Cos, a a team that could certainly do with uh, a Gordon Tallis or a Shane Webke. Uh, All right, let's dive into our repair shop. And each week we sort of, you know, bring in a team and... um, yeah, you know, uh, you know, have a bit of a look at the club and see what, um, you know, how they can be improved. And this week we've got the West Tigers because 
Now, you know, some some weeks we get a team where you just might, you know, maybe an addition here, an addition there. But, look, this this is a club that's uh, in a little bit of trouble. Um, we started to see a little bit of positivity towards, you know, throughout the year. But, um, yeah, anyway, talk to me a little bit about the West Tigers because, um, yeah, with, with Madge out of that head coaching spot now and their recent performances, it's not looking good for the Tigers. Yeah, it was like some of the other teams, you can sort of pinpoint a few things that you would – change or you know tweak here and there but the tiger i i what is i don't actually know what's wrong with them there's so many little things it seems it's just adding up like we often talk about who are their juniors how are they coming through who are their key players so when i think of the tigers i think the best players are like david nofaluma and if no offense because i was a winger but if the winger is one of your best players and the most most standout for the entire team i don't no, if that's, you know, that's not how you want it to be. Like everyone's important in the team, but Noffa can't do it by himself. So where, where is, why aren't these other names who are, they're, they're, they're players that can play in this team, but they're not standing up and you don't like what's changed. And then Jackson Hastings came, like I said, it, there's a bit of positivity there. He ha- he's supporting um, Luke Brooks who, I don't know, he's very much maligned, but I think he's a good player. He just needs a reset. I think a lot of these players just need a bit of a reset. Um, I don't know. It's and then they've they've had a reset with the coaching, but is that a, is that enough? Like, what, there's a lot of little things that need to change for the Tigers. Oh, cause wind me up and let me go. Here we go. It's okay, uh, here we go. The financial side of the business doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you've got you know Campbelltown, you've got the Magpies who are putting in all of the money. Balmain went broke quite a long time ago, and I know we attribute this club to the Tigers. I know it would completely change their brand, but the merger just doesn't make any sense to me financially. I think it's actually, um, it's fractured the board, it's fractured the administration, um, the finances don't make any sense, you know, the different sort of stadiums um, and the, the lack of sort of home ground advantage, you know, some of these clubs in our in our sport, you know, it, it's easy to, 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 to pick, you know, the Penrith Panthers, the Melbourne Storm, if you go and play at their home ground, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to play. The Tigers haven't had that for for so long. And, and, and you know, so for me, I look, I think, you know, significant systemic changes need to happen within the football club. And, look, if it doesn't happen, I really fear for the longevity of this football club because, you know, it, it's nothing against the Tigers and their fans, but, you know, we all know that Sydney's overly saturated, that the NRL is looking to relocate potentially and, you know, that the Tigers really need to get themselves sorted. So for me, yeah, again, I'm not overlooking some of the deep-rooted issues within this club, so that's the first one. Second one, hey, how about we uh, find a coach? Um, you know, look, you know, removing Madge, was that the, the, the right or wrong decision? You know, ugh, you know, I, I don't know whether, whether I necessarily agree with it, but the fact is it's been done. Now you've got to better it. So if you move on a player like Madge Maguire, who rightly or wrongly, whether, whether things were going right or wrong, you know, he is a premiership winner, so... All I would say is after missing out on Cameron Serraldo, good luck because Tigers fans don't want to see, with all due respect to, to, to Noddy, to Brett, Brett Kamali, and he's a great up-and-coming coach, they don't want that. They're, they're looking for someone who can you know match it with Madge Maguire, do a little bit better. So I think there's a lot of pressure on there. Why is this so important, obviously, this, uh, this upcoming off-season for the Tigers? They need to keep Adam Dewey and Jackson Hastings. 
Um, I really feel like this is a massive period in the club's history coming up because Apicorosau is coming there next year in the number nine position. That puts him in a really good position. I do believe a divorce is coming with Luke Brooks. It's just a matter of money and finances, so I think that divorce is happening. But if you can somehow secure Adam Dewey, Jackson Hastings, and Coruscant, the number nine, that just leaves your fullback position where you've really got to figure out. I think Dane Laurie, he's had his moments, but you know injuries, you know whether whether the stage is a little bit too much there to carry that West Tigers position. But you know I feel like the Tigers are getting close to building a spine there. But you know it's going to be really interesting to see whether they can keep Adam and Jackson. That's going to be um, a big part of what they do. But there we go, systemic changes, new head coach signing Adam Dewey, Jackson Hastings, and um, double. Triple checking Appy Coruscant's contract to make sure there's no out clauses. Um, yeah, that would uh, that would be my advice. But look, you know, I, you know, uh, we have a lot of Tigers fans that listen to the podcast. Um, things will turn around, I'm sure. And this is coming from a Newcastle Knights fan, so. Trust me when I say I've been there, I've experienced it. But um, yeah, all all the very best to the Tigers moving forward. All right, Coz, uh, how much fun do we have when we jump on a podcast together? Obviously, down a few troops tonight, but how fun was that? Um, you know, that's all the time we have tonight. Um, thank you, my friend, for jumping on. You know, what is a very special week here at Mojo Sports with NADOC Week? Again, um, to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support. Get out and celebrate uh, NADOC. It's going to be a great week ahead. Um, and, you know, we really do appreciate your support. How can you continue to support us? It's simple. Download the podcast. Share with family and friends. Thank you for choosing Mojo Sports. And until next time, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.